This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's Countdown to 2021. Join this exclusive newsletter and free community of like-minded achievers who are committed to turning 2020's disappointments into 2021's greatest successes. Learn more at leadto.win slash countdown. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. By the way, we talk about that a lot. They're both important. That's right. Which brings us to our topic today. We want to talk about the power of constraints, which sounds bizarre because most people think that freedom is the thing that they're after. We want more freedom. Don't put any constraints on us. But our conviction is that constraints are the very thing that leads to freedom. And unless there are constraints, you won't experience freedom. Okay. I am so excited about this topic. I can barely stay in my seat. I should probably just go and stand up right now. I'm super passionate about it because I think that not only is this one of my favorite things to talk about, something that you and I both deeply believe, but it's never been more timely. You know, I don't know about you, dad, but I am finding that everywhere I go, I hear people whining and complaining. And I'm just going to say it like that because that's what it is about 2020. 2020 sucks. 2020 is the worst year ever. Can't wait till January 21 when the new year rolls over and we could just get go back to normal, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's this whole like, I'm kind of, and nobody means it like this, but this is kind of what's going on. Like I'm kind of a victim of this terrible year and eventually time will pass and I will no longer be a victim and then good things can start happening again. And my conviction is, and I think dad, you share this, that, you know, this is, my conviction is, is that 2020 is actually a huge gift for us. Yes, it's hard. Yes, there's, there have been so many difficult things, no doubt about it. But if you know where to look, there are gifts inside this year and the chief being among them, the gift of constraints, because the kind of innovation that these constraints make possible is unlike any other. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I cannot wait to get into it. Well, maybe we should give a little bit of um, biographical history here, because I have an experience with constraints that was kind of unexpected. And so, for example, um, back 20 years ago, when I had had a major career success and didn't quite know where to go next. You know, in other words, how could I replicate the success that I just experienced? I was kind of out of tricks. And so I decided to get an executive coach and I was fortunate enough, blessed enough to hire Daniel Harkavy at Building Champions. He he was my first executive coach. And Daniel's approach has always been holistic. You know, in other words, he espouses and believes in what we call at Michael Hyden Company, the double win, win at work and succeed at life. And clearly I was winning at work when I went into that, but the succeeding at life part, not so much. Mm -hmm. And so Daniel challenged me to put constraints around my work. Now this seemed Mm. like a completely foreign idea to me at the time, because my practice up until that point was that, you know, I, I would have my quiet time in the morning before I started, you know, work. But I got to the to the office early. I was there no later than seven o'clock, oftentimes six to six thirty if I could. And I would stay till six, seven o'clock at night. If I if I did come home, and I did come home when the, the kids were younger, I'd hastily eat dinner with the family and then I would open my laptop and continue working till I basically, you know, fell asleep almost 
uh, on my computer. So that, you know, work was just seeping into everything. You know, weekend was basically an opportunity to catch up on work. So I was at the office on Saturday, as all the other executives were. That was sort of the de facto standard in every corporate work culture that I'd been part of. You know, that if you were committed, then what that looked like is long hours every day. You had to, you know, set the pace. You had to be the example. You had to show everybody else what a work ethic looked like. It meant that you were there on Saturday morning. Some guys would also come back or some gals would also come back on Sunday night. But, you know, you're just basically working all the time. If you're on a vacation... You could not unplug. No, 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 no. You you had to get up early in the morning and we're going to give you a little time with your family, but you're expected to keep up with email. You're expected to take a conference call or a business call and your family is just going to have to work around it. Now, I don't know that anybody ever explicitly said that, but again, that was just sort of the de facto standard that you were expected to live up to. And if you didn't, you would be perceived as not committed. Gosh. Right. Right. So you so, were like, hey, this is not working anymore. I, I've got to like get some things in check in my life. Yeah, because I I'm I was beginning to think, I mean, 20 years ago, I'm beginning to think, you know, if I don't start focusing on my health a little bit, I'm probably going to, ex- you know, explode. I'm going to have a, you know, a bad health crisis that's going to take me out. And I'd seen it happen to, to many of my friends, you know, whether it's a heart attack or some other disease or something, you know, a lot of things that happen to us, we have no control over. But frankly, a lot of things that we experience in our health are self-inflicted, mm-hmm. right? So I, so I thought to myself, I got to take control of that. I thought to myself, my kids desperately need me right now. And if I don't give attention to my marriage, I can't just assume that it's going to rock on without me investing in it. Same thing with my kids. And, you know, there's nothing that's more disruptive of your business than if you have a marital crisis, and I'd seen this up, in, up close and personal in my career, or a crisis with your kids where they end up in drugs or end up in jail or worse, you know, that's incredibly disruptive too. So, so what Daniel said to me is he said, you've got to put constraints around your work. There needs to be a boundary. There needs to be fences because your work is not the only thing going on in your life. Mm-hmm. All these different domains, and, and Daniel referred to them as life accounts. He said, all these accounts are interrelated So you can't draw a deficit on one of them, you know, be overdrawn in one of your checking accounts without it requiring, you know, a contribution from one of your other accounts. They're all interrelated. So I did a couple of things. I decided that I was going to, uh, I wasn't going to get to the office until 8.30 in the morning and I was going to leave promptly at 6 p.m. no matter what. And I made that commitment to Gail. And I said, I'm not going to work on the weekends no matter what. And I'm not going to work on my vacations, which, you know, I was less successful with for many years, but until I kind of broke the code on that and figured out how to do it. But Daniel asked my permission about maybe six weeks into this. He said, do you mind if I periodically check in with Gail, my wife, to see how you're doing? Mm. Well, (laughs) that kind of scared me because I thought, and I said to him, I said, well, like with me on the phone. And he said, no. (laughs) By herself. I want to check in with her so she can be really honest. And I just want her to assess because she's the closest person to you, how you're doing with your constraints. And I said, sure. So he had several conversations with her and and just that little bit of accountability. Man, that was like the biggest accountability. Because if he had said to me, look, I want you, I'm going to ask you periodically how you're doing in this. 
What do you think I would have said? Right. I'm doing great. I'm doing killing great, it. man. I'm killing it because one day last week I got home on time, right. you know, but he's asking her and I'm thinking to myself, I never know when he's going to call her. And it just gave me an accountability and then it became a way of life. So it didn't happen immediately, but, but building those habits in were huge. Yeah. Well, I kind of have my own story of constraints too. So I think the big idea here is that when you either have constraints that are externally imposed, like so many things that have happened in COVID uh, in 2020 in general, you know, the inability to have our offices open, the inability to go about most of our routines as normal, at least for some period of time, that all of a sudden those constraints make other things possible. You're able to get some kind of a breakthrough in your thinking and therefore your actions that otherwise would not have been available to you in kind of your business as usual thinking. So, you know, no one ends up having a balanced life or they're wanting at work and succeeding at life unless they put constraints in because the constraints actually make the boundaries possible, right? So in setting a boundary, all of a sudden you have to innovate to make, to hold that boundary, which enables you to keep the boundary. So it's, it's kind of like there's a relationship between the success and the constraint in and of itself. In my own situation, you know, when you asked me to step into the COO role at Michael Hyden Company, it wasn't too long before that, that I had adopted uh, my middle two children who at that time when we adopted them were three and 14 months. Uh, they had had extensive trauma and some significant special needs. And I said to you, like, the only way I can step into this role is if I can be done at three o'clock when it's time to pick them up at school. They were a little bit older at this point. They were, you know, in preschool and in kindergarten, I think, at this point. And you said, sure, that's fine. As long as the results are there, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I'm not hiring you to work a certain number of hours. I'm, I'm hiring you to produce results. Well, what that meant is in order for me to get my work done, in six hours a day or six and a half hours a day is kind of how I started out, I had to really innovate. I had to get very, very clear on what my unique contribution was. And I had to eliminate, automate, or delegate everything else. I couldn't afford to get sidetracked. I couldn't afford to have uh, time spent on social media during the day. And I couldn't afford to have long social lunches. I mean, I had to like buckle down, get it done, get in, get out. And I've done that for years. You know, those those boys now are 12 and 10 and they're doing well. Um, and I think largely it's because I was able to put constraints in place that not only actually increased my uh, professional contribution, but definitely ensured that I was doing what needed to be done at home. And that's really what we're talking about today. Well, and to use an example that everybody can relate to is that Friday before you go on a week-long vacation, how productive right. are you? You've got a constraint. You've got a hard stop. Maybe you're flying out Friday night or Saturday morning to this amazing vacation that you've been planning for months. And so you're just hyper-focused, hyper-productive. You don't get sidetracked. You don't allow yourself to be interrupted. I mean, you're focused on what's got to get done. Well, what if every day could be like that? That's the power of constraints. I, I, I have another story too. So back when I became the COO at Thomas Nelson, the year was 2003, two weeks into the assignment, you know, I'm supposed to be traveling all over, primarily meeting with our institutional investors. We were a publicly held company at the time. And two weeks into that, I fell down the stairs mm, and I, I broke my this. ankle. Remember? And so I had to have surgery. I had a plate, six screws put in, which by the way, are still there in my left foot. And, uh, and I was, I had to do the surgery and then the doctor insisted that I stay in bed for a week. So Gail said to me, instead of whining, she didn't choose kinder than that, but she, she said, instead of whining about the fact that you've broken your ankle and 
you don't have time to be sidelined and all these expectations are riding on you and blah, blah, blah. She said, why don't you ask yourself the question, what does this make possible? Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, like, you know, as, as soon as I had my wits about me after I got out of the surgery and everything, I said, you know what? I've been reading a lot about blogging and I think I'm going to start a blog. And so I used that time when I was in bed on my laptop to start a blog. That blog, little did I know that that was a seed that would turn into this giant oak tree that's become our business. And in fact, it's it, it, even the, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but, but even the password uh, for one of our wireless networks at the office is it began with a blog. Yeah. Like now all one to, word. Now we got to go change that password. I don't got to change that password, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, that office is closed down right now during COVID. So good luck. But, but at any rate, so we, that, that blog was, became pot, it made possible everything else, but that wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for a forced constraint. Right. So sometimes constraints come at us from the outside. You know, we have no choice, but we do have a choice whether we embrace them or not. So, you know, here we are, we're in the middle of 2020. There, This COVID situation is not going away nearly as fast as some of us thought at the beginning or hoped or still are hoping. And I've just noticed that there are so many people fighting the situation. And that's, and you might think, well, yeah, but this is extraordinary. Yeah, but you're doing it in other parts of your life too. I mean, that's the truth. We've all been there. I've done it. You've done it. You know, the mask situation, everyone is just like fighting it or they're, they're fighting to do it. They're fighting not to do it. Like wherever you are on the political spectrum, you know, it's this whole thing. And what I want to say is what if 2020 and all its weirdness and, you know, challenges was actually a gift? And what if you stop spending all that energy fighting about wearing a mask Fight about not wearing a mask. What, what you know, all the different things that are kind of a part of this, that are the election, all these things you can't control. And you took that energy and you looked at the constraints in your business. Maybe you're having to be remote right now. Maybe you can't sell your products and services in the same way. Maybe you've had to totally change all kinds of things in order to meet the market. What if that was the best thing that ever happened to your business? Right. So I think this conversation starts with a belief that constraints are good even if they're uncomfortable, that they're beneficial to us. So instead of thinking, oh gosh, this is going to really make everything hard and instead going to the place of what does this make possible? You know, we hear this from our clients. We have over 500 clients in our business accelerator coaching program. And we're hearing from them all the time about the incredible decisions that they're making in their businesses right now. The decisions that they had been putting off, decisions that they weren't even considering, um, all kinds of things that now because they're willing to embrace constraints and say, okay, I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to be where I am. I'm going to embrace 2020 as long as this goes on. Obviously, I can't do anything about the virus, but I'm going to figure out how to thrive in the midst of this. And then they go from like that kind of place of acceptance or belief that these constraints are good to a place of possibility. What does this mm -hmm. make possible? And that leads them to a place of innovation. And that is, to me, that's the exciting part about this. So I think like so many other things, this begins as a shift in our mindset. Right. You know, we have to stop seeing constraints as an impediment on our progress and actually a, a, a thing that facilitates our progress. Yep. So here's another example. So Megan, you'll remember back, maybe it was the first week of April. So now we're at that point, we were like two weeks into the pandemic mm -hmm. and you know, we have about 40 people on our team and we've got a lot of young parents with right. 
small kids running around. And now they're trying to work remote. They've got kids where there's no child care. They're trying to manage all this stuff. It's so I mean, crazy. You, I mean, you know, we we saw kids for the first time showing up in our in our Zoom meetings, and yeah, you know, some of them were mine. <laughs> I know some of them were yours, and it, and it was a lot of fun, but it was also a big stressor, and everybody felt this environmental stress from just right. the uncertainty of what was going to happen, and you know how life threatening this was, and what happens if we get it, all that stuff. Yeah. So we made the decision at the time, and at the time we thought it was going to be temporary. But we said, hey, we're going to change our work hours. We know we need to pivot, and we did pivot in a very profound way in terms of our business. But we said, we're going to restrain our work hours, and we're going to stop working 40 hours a week, and we're going to go to 30 hours a week. So we're going to work from 9 in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And we don't expect anybody to be on call or work before that or after that. We're not going to dock anybody's pay, our intention. We don't want to lay anybody off. So you think to yourself, okay, that, that seems so counterintuitive. You would think in a crisis, it would be all hands on deck and everybody, and I, I, one of my son-in-laws, you know, they basically suspended PTO. They said you couldn't have any time off. You were on call all the time. Right. We said just the opposite. Now, check this out. This has not hurt our business. Right. Our business is, you know, we're projecting right now that by the end of the year, our business is going to be up about 40% on the bottom line, over what we budgeted for this year, which was already aggressive in terms of our growth vis-a-vis yeah. last year. Right. And we've had these constraints in our business for a long time. You know, not, not a 30-hour work week, but definitely a very rigorous enforcement of a 40-hour work week. And of course, there are exceptions from time to time. But for the most part, 40-hour work week, we've been on the ink list of the fastest growing private companies in America three years in a row. We just uh, won this year the Inc. Award of being one of the best uh, workplaces in the country, all while having these constraints. And I, I believe not just that we succeeded in spite of those constraints, and Megan, I know, I'm pretty sure you shared this conviction, but because Absolutely. of those constraints. Right. Because what happens when you put a constraint in place or there's a constraint environmentally is that all of a sudden your old thinking doesn't work, right? Like the the way you normally would have created or delivered productivity or results doesn't work anymore. If you don't have 40 hours or if you don't have the ability to meet with people in person or you don't have the ability to serve people in a certain way because of COVID, all of a sudden, all your old solutions don't work, which is kind of creates a crisis, right? I mean, you have this crisis of like, oh, shoot, what are we going to do? Because we can't, we can't do it like we used to. What's the gift uh, it right inside of a constraint is all of a sudden you have to go to a different place in your thinking. You have to have a kind of innovative thinking that leads you ultimately to a different kind of result, different kind of actions and different kind of result than you could have ever accessed when you were kind of in that old mindset. It's like when you're kind of in your business as usual mindset, think of your pre-COVID mindset. Only certain things were possible within that. And maybe the things that were possible were great. Like maybe you were really successful at it, but they only allowed certain things to be true. All of a sudden, when those things start to fall apart and your assumptions don't make sense anymore, for example, I mean, another great example of this is uh, my boys that I was talking about earlier. We have a, a therapist that we see in Ohio frequently. We normally go three to four times a year for a weekend at a time and do like six hours of therapy a day. It's pretty intense, <laughs> but it's been great for them. However, 
the therapist is no longer seeing people in her office. And so this past weekend, we did a therapy intensive on Zoom where we were doing therapy six hours a day for three days. It was probably one of the best uh, intensives that we've had. And let me tell you something. If you can do therapy with kids for six hours a day virtually, you can do literally anything. I mean, that is- So true. That's like one of the most challenging things. And you'd say, oh, absolutely. You gotta be in person for that. There's no way you can can get that kind of breakthrough with kids unless they're sitting in front of you. Not true. Um, So to me, that's not something, that's a good example of that's not something that the therapist or us as clients would have ever thought of, except for there was this major constraint of we can't travel and yet our kids still need therapy. How are we going to solve that problem? All of a sudden, a new solution emerged. And that's what you get with constraints. Well, another example of that, gosh, I've got, you know, a ton of it, but another example of that is what happened with our business accelerator coaching program. It's a group coaching program. Ordinarily, our clients come in in groups of 50, a cohort of about 50. They come in to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, where we live, and they meet with me or one of our other coaches for a full day. We call it a coaching intensive. You know, you were in a therapy intensive. This is a coaching intensive. Yours was probably more fun. (laughs) We do that uh, one full day a quarter. But suddenly we couldn't do that because of social distancing and all the other constraints that were uh, imposed externally on us. So initially we said, okay, we know we can't make this as good as what it would be in person, but how can we make it almost as good? Okay. So that was an okay experience. Then we said, wait a second, we're, we're not thinking about this in a way that's innovative. So let's embrace this constraint and say, how does this make it possible to create an experience for our clients that's even better than the in-person uh, experience. Now we have every intention of going back to in-person coaching as soon as the environment will allow us to do that. But in the meantime, we want to create the most extraordinary experience for our clients that we can. So literally I just, this last week as we're recording this, uh, I was taking my specific groups and we have 10 different coaches, but I was taking my groups through their coaching intensives. I did five days worth of that one day after another for the most part. And I thought it was an extraordinary experience because we didn't let that get in the way. We embraced the constraint and we created what looked like at the hotel, a television studio, multi-cameras, lower thirds, side-by-side, you know, breakout rooms using Zoom, extraordinary experience for our clients. And, uh, you know, it was great. None of that would have been possible if we'd been resisting that constraint. Right. We improved our content. We added new things to help people feel supported during this time, including uh, our clients have a weekly Q&A call with you where they get to ask their questions, you know, kind of in real time and get feedback from you. We added expert interviews. We added executive masterminds among people in similar sized businesses within the program, all kinds of stuff that we would have never thought about, except that we were trying to figure out, okay, within these constraints, how do we over deliver for our clients? How do we make sure that they get the transformation that we promised when they joined the program and so much more? And honestly, it's so much better now. It's so much better. And I'm so thankful. You know, we've made other decisions in our business that we're just not even on the table, you know, costs that we've cut or things that we've added or people that we've added that without these constraints, we wouldn't have had to face. You know, we've made some significant changes in how our product team works with our training team and just kind of, you know, um, internal uh, organizational kind of things that we really cleaned up and and created greater efficiency and more meaning for our team members, all because there were things that were no longer possible for us. I want to mention a resource 
that I think will be helpful to people. And it was, it was a book that we discovered and started reading after we made the decision to go to a 30-hour work week, but it enabled us to make the decision that that's going to be something permanent, something we're going to leave the pandemic with whenever it's over, is a new and improved work week. We don't intend to go back to 40-hour work week. And I'm not saying this is for everybody, right. but I'm saying that there is a book that makes the case of why this might be for you the best possible solution. It's a book called Shorter. And it's uh, by the author, Alex Pang, and he does all the research, research, all the case studies to, uh, to prove that shorter work hours are often the very thing that you need to go to the next level. And his subtitle is Work Better, Smarter, and Less. Here's how. And he gives one example after another of companies that have done that and seen their results uh, grow exponentially. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, if you're a leader listening to this, uh, I think this is a really important thing to just talk through for a second. How do you kind of create this mindset that you embrace constraints in your culture? Because if you're a leader, you probably have a lot of conversations with people where they're complaining about constraints. You know, they're assuming that their results are dependent on external factors that they can't control. And when the results aren't good, they're going to blame something outside of themselves. And so I really think this gets to the heart of the idea of ownership. One of our values is ownership at Michael Hyatt and Company. And we want people taking what we call total ownership, that the results are the consequence of our actions as leaders. And so how do we build that into our culture? And I think it really starts with your mindset as a leader. When you talk about constraints, when you talk about 2020, how do you talk about it? You know, do you kind of roll your eyes or do you kind of have a flavor of uh, defeatism in your tone, in your body language? You know, do you give yourself a pass because it's 2020 or do you have excitement even around it? You know, I think those are some of the things to just notice because whatever you do will set the tone in your organization and also what you reward. Um, I know at Michael Hyde and Company, we're having a lot of conversations right now about how do we reach this big, crazy goal that we have at the end of the year and how do we embrace constraints? Because of course, not everything, even in our plan, our pivoted plan after COVID is working exactly like we thought. Some things are working better. Some things aren't working as well as we hoped. And we have to make adjustments along the way. But in order to make those adjustments, people have to kind of get in the headspace of, hey, we don't have to fight these constraints. We can just embrace it and start innovating. Yeah. And I think what you said about innovation is so key because I've been in situations in the past where I've said, you know, if we just had more money to spend on marketing. Right. Or if we just had more personnel, you know, we just don't have the capacity we need. Instead of saying, Actually, that's a good thing because if we had all the money we, we needed, we'd probably just waste it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the only organization that really can do that unlimited is the government, <laughs> right? They can, they can print more money and, and as a result, they have more waste. There's not the level of innovation that's required in the private sector. And this obviously re, you know, reveals my bias, but in the private sector, you don't have the luxury of having unlimited resources ever. You know, and probably, you know, somebody argued that the government doesn't either, but, but in the private sector, you don't, but it's those, it's those constraints that force innovation that cause you to think in a completely different way than you were before. And I was, I was thinking about the story of the Wright brothers. Mm-hmm. So I'm about to start reading a biography of the Wright brothers, uh, by David McCullough. And, uh, I had a friend of mine that was telling me about it over the weekend, but one of the interesting things about the Wright brothers is these were two brothers who didn't have a college education. So that's kind of a constraint, Mm -hmm. right? 
So all they'd ever done is work in a, in a bicycle shop. So they didn't have any, you know, aeronautical experience or, you know, anything related to aviation, you know, part of it just didn't exist at that point. The government was funding other organizations to invent manned flight. Like they had, at the time, it was a huge amount of money, but hundreds of thousands of dollars that the federal government was paying them to come up with manned flight. Here are a couple guys, you know, that are in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and they've got basically nothing but their ability to innovate. And they're the guys that come came up with manned flight, not because they had more resources, more capacity, more personnel, more money. No, because the constraints on that forced them to use the resource that's the most important, which is their ability to think and their ability to create. And boy, did they do it. So if you're listening to us and you're thinking, all right, so what's the application for me? How do I begin to start this process of embracing constraints so that I have access to innovation like never before? I think the first thing to do would be think about the constraints in your life that you're fighting. And this should not be very hard because for most of us, I could think about five things right off the top of my head that I'm fighting a little bit. You know, maybe it's that you can't go to your gym and work out. Maybe it's that you can't go to church. Maybe it's that you can't meet with all your employees in person. Maybe it's that uh, you can't go on the road and travel to meet your clients. You know, what, whatever it is, there's probably, you can probably come up with a list right now. Think of, think of your top three things that you feel like you're fighting. You're losing sleep over, you're kind of complaining about to other people, and you're just wrestling with on a regular basis. And then ask yourself, okay, if I could suspend disbelief for just a second, and I could instead believe that inside this constraint was actually a gift, what would it make possible? And then when you think about that, how can I start innovating around this? And I, I hope that you will send us some kind of message, you know, leave us a review or email us or something and let us know what you're coming up with. Because I'm going to promise you, if you do this, if you get your full focus planner out right now on the notes page and you write these things out and you do what I just suggested, this is going to lead to a breakthrough for you. You're going to be in a very different place at the end of like five minutes of doing that exercise than you are at the beginning. So I want to give a real practical exhortation here around constraints, and it's this. I want to encourage you, if you've never done this before, create a hard start and a hard stop to your work day and your work week. When are you going to arrive at work? When are you going to end work? And act like that's inviolable. You cannot change that. So if it's 6 p.m., no matter what, you know, if that's, your, if that's the time your day ends or if it's 5 p.m., whatever it is, that there's no work after that. Here's what's going to happen immediately. You're going to suddenly become more focused and more productive at work than you've ever been because you're going to have to force yourself to prioritize the 20% of the work that drives the 80% of the results. Because what happens is when you have no boundaries, you think to yourself, well, I can just do this whenever I need to. So if I don't get finished by five o'clock or six o'clock, I'll take it home with me and I'll finish then. You don't have to prioritize anything. But suddenly when you have a hard boundary, you have to prioritize. It will dramatically improve the quality of your work product, the focus that you experience, your job satisfaction. And if you refuse to think about work or talk about work or do work outside of those work hours, it'll suddenly give you a real life. And particularly if you can live, you know, in the discomfort of not knowing exactly what you're going to do with this, this margin and start to pursue hobbies or invest in 
your most important relationships, suddenly you're going to find yourself winning at work and succeeding at life in a way that you've never experienced before. And that's going to keep you from burning out. That's going to give you longevity. And believe me, the people that are closest to you are going to thank you for it. You're going to be much more effective as a human. Well, I've loved this conversation today, and I hope you've caught a vision of what's possible in 2020 and what's possible with all constraints. I really believe that 2020 for any of us could be our best year ever if we're willing to embrace constraints and use them in our lives to drive innovation. So hopefully you'll do that. Hopefully you'll consider that position and make sure to let us know what, like kind of how you're thinking about this. If you have any comments or thoughts on it, please leave it in a review for us so we can follow up there. Otherwise, we'll see you next week here on Lead to Win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's Countdown to 2021. Join this exclusive newsletter and free community of like-minded achievers who are committed to turning 2020's disappointments into 2021's greatest successes. Learn more at leadto.win slash countdown.